Hello everyone! I'm so happy that you can join us today as we continue the Bible adventure of a lifetime that is Revelation. The revelation or unveiling of Jesus Christ the Messiah, our Savior, and our righteous judge. I'm Brad. And I'm Scott. And this is not about us. Yahweh is good, and he has done a great and loving thing giving us the book of Revelation. Last podcast, we started with John's introduction in Revelation 1-1, and gave a little backstory of where John was when he wrote it. He was on the island of Patmos, and he was taken in spirit to the day of the Lord. Let us continue to be like John, and let's be in prayer and be in spirit at the day of the Lord. Scott, will you lead us in a prayer? Absolutely. Yahweh God, we just want to lift you up. We just want to praise you, thank you, magnify you. Come into this place. Be welcome. Be here. Be in our hearts. Not not just here in this location where Brad and I are recording, but here, wherever it is anyone is listening right now. And you, you be glorified. You be magnified. This is not about us. This is about you. So we just ask that you take it where you want to go. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Scott. Now, last time we got a taste of Revelation 1, 2, and 1, 3. I want to dive a little deeper, so let us get started. Just a reminder to our listeners, I am reading from the King James Version, but I will show in some places where I think a Hebraic root translation or some other translation has meaning as well. Also, like Scott in his Genesis study, I need to apologize in advance if I pronounce any of the Greek or Hebrew words in my studies incorrectly. Please do not judge me too harshly, as I am doing the best I can with the information that I have. I feel like being judgy today. <laughs> you would. <laughs> now, Revelation 1-2 is the continuation of John's introduction. Revelation 1-2 states, Who bear record of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all the things... That he saw. In Revelation 1 1, John starts his introduction by explaining the miraculous series of events that happened to get the revelation to him. It starts with God, and then it's given to the Messiah, and then given directly to John from Jesus through an angel. All of this is amazing and awesome, so I cannot help but enjoy some other translations, like the Passion Translation of Revelation 2.2, that starts simply with, I, John. I, comma, John testified. I love this example of being incredibly humble. It's like John is wanting to make sure that we know that we are now back down to his mere human level. There was God and Jesus and an angel and then little old me. I, John. Now that may not be the intention here, but it is a little thing that makes me smile when I think about it. And I hope it makes you smile too. I mean, think about being your normal human self, going about your normal human business, and suddenly you are transported to the throne room of God. How tiny and insignificant would you feel? God, you are awesome and overwhelming to a speck like me. 
Sorry. Yeah. I, I just wanted to get that out there. To me, that image was just pretty impressive. God, you are overwhelming, and I am just a speck. It's kind of like the song, I Can Only Imagine. Yes. It's like you imagine, because I've done this, you know, I've imagined what's it going to be like to be standing before God on his throne. I mean, sometimes I imagine Jesus being here in the room with me. And I try to imagine what it would be like to be to be able to see angels around me, that things like that. But yeah, standing in the throne room of God, I can only imagine, and I, I just how overwhelming that would feel, and just how utterly insignificant you would feel in that position. Well, I think as a representative of humans, I would probably do exactly what John did. Later, we'll find out that he literally falls down dead amazed overwhelmed because yeah. he is a mere human now seeing godly things yeah i'm overwhelmed just by the thoughts i have about god sometimes so actually being there in the throne room and seeing it all <laughs> makes me wonder if so many people talk about why doesn't god reveal himself more often it's like because because <laughs> <laughs> we do we really want that to happen sometimes <laughs> it's a mercy that maybe he <laughs> <Yeah>. does it <laughs> um all right. So John then continues in Revelation 1-2 to give us his credentials. And they are awesome too because he gets to bear record of the Messiah. And he got to see some amazing things. He was taken in spirit to the day of the Lord. And this is awesome in the grandest sense. Notice though that he remains humble. He never forgets that God is the writer and he is just the pen. I John. Now he states three things here. One, he bore record of the word of God. Two, and of the testimony of Jesus. And three, of all the things he saw. In the previous podcast, we stated that three was an important number. Three has a completion to it. For example, time is broken into three categories, past, present, and future. The Godhead, the Trinity, is God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit, three in one. John is stating there is a completion in his witness testimony. John is saying here, through his credentials, that what he is saying is truthful and complete to the best of his abilities. I have a, um, a listing that uh, I've recorded just every time I've come across something that lists uh, uh, what numbers mean in the Bible, I've written it down and kind of created a compilation. And three is listed as, every, every one of them agrees, it's a divine completion and perfection. Completion and perfection. So this witness testimony, to me, that means it's complete and perfect in its retelling. That must mean that God was the author of this testimony because only God is perfect. Now, I want to look at some of the words in Revelation 1-2. Uh, the first word that stands out to me here is record. Um, in, it's testified in my Hebraic Roots version. If you want to follow along, let's look at Strong's Concordance 3140 uh, in the Greek. Now, record is from the Greek word, or at least record used here, is from the Greek word marturio which means to be a witness, give testimony, give a good and honest report. 
It can mean to affirm that one has seen or heard or experienced something, or that he knows it because of being taught by divine revelation or inspiration. My takeaway of this word here is simply that I appreciate its place. I appreciate its use here. It gives trustworthiness to John that he is giving a good report, an honest report. The book of Revelation is John's record, his testimony of what he saw and heard taking place in the future when the Messiah returns. And it's even more important that the source is trustworthy. We can be assured that John dictated honestly and correctly everything because he received the revelation right from the source. That's right. Yeah, right from the source, right from the author. Um, Something that Scott and I are trying to do with this podcast is very similar. We want God to be the author, and we just want to be the mic, the tool. And I think this is a good example right here. John is just being the pen. Um, At the end of the day, we need to remember Jesus is the author of this. But this reminds me of something that I heard from an apologist that has stuck with me even to this day. People were arguing that there was no way the authors of the Bible could not have embellished or had errors when recounting the stories. They argued that it would be like playing the telephone game. You know, the game where you start with a line of people, and the first person whispers something to the next person in line, and this continues all the way down the line. By the time you get to the end, the sentence could be completely different than the sentence you started with. Well, if anyone wonders how the Bible writers could have accurately and correctly written down everything without embellishment or errors, even if they wrote something decades or centuries after they happened, just imagine that same game of telephone. But now the first person in line goes with the sentence and ensures it is correctly stated to each person in line. God is the author and he is with the writers of the Bible. That's how we know that when there is a recorded testimony, it is honest and correct, because the author is there making sure. This thought brings me to the conclusion that Genesis and Revelation, the bookends of Scripture, are both trustworthy and accurate the way they are. All other theories or conclusions that contradict the Word of God Anything that contradicts these books are wrong, no matter what popular science might try to tell you. So we can see the evidence of God's fingerprint on all of Scripture. But that being said, Revelation and Genesis are often attacked or neglected, even by Christians. There are some pastors that will not even speak Revelation in their churches. Yeah. I told you about, uh, in the introduction, how, you know, I had a question when I was young, uh, and the pastor just shut me down, said, no, 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 Revelation shouldn't even be in the Bible, just ignore it. Uh, I've had other pastors give me similar uh, similar statements uh, about it, but I remember one time I was, uh, it was about 20, 30 years ago, I really wanted to dig into the Bible, and I found a book series on a Bible study that was highlighting each book of the Bible. I thought, oh, this will help me. I'll really get into it. And I grabbed Genesis to start with. And one of the most depressing things I found was that it started by saying, now we have to remember that none of this is real. And I was like, oh boy. And this is coming from a, a so-called Christian source. And, and 
you find this a lot with these two books. Brad's right. And it it can depress you. That thought just literally broke my heart. The fact that someone is saying, remember, start out that this is not real. And, and to call yourself, you know, an expert in God, then, um, I'm sorry, sir. You're going to have a lot to answer for on that. These books are attacked. They are neglected. Um, there are those that try to undermine the reliability of these two books. This makes me think of the enemy. The enemy would like nothing more than to divert our attention away from the truthful record that is found here. As Scott has said in previous podcasts, there are some things that we might get wrong because we are flawed and not perfect creatures. But there are some truths that we will cling to. I want to share the truths that I will cling to. I cling to the truth that Yahweh is God and Yeshua Jesus is the Messiah. And I cling to the truth that scripture is the word of God divinely written for all of mankind so we can know our God and his will. So since I know that all of scripture was divinely written, I can see the common thread and the anchor that is in all of scripture from the very first prophecy spoken by God himself to its conclusion at the day of the Lord. Very first prophecy, Genesis 3, 15. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise its hill. The common thread is Jesus Christ, and the anchor is our focus on a promised future and internal hope in Christ Jesus. Satan will strike his hill. Christ will suffer for all of mankind, but ultimately he will have victory over the enemy when he crushes the enemy's head. So here is truth. Genesis testifies to our past, to our origin, and Revelation testifies to the future, to our eternity. Both are a record and a testimony of God. Both are true and honest. Nothing can deter that from being true. No matter how hard the enemy or any of his followers may try to say otherwise, Scripture is truth. Now, I want to make those points because those are the beliefs that I cling to. Now, the whole Bible is a testimony of God. But I, in particular, love to read his testimony of the record of how things were and how they will be. I'm something of a history nerd. So it intrigues me that, thanks to Genesis... I have answers to the big questions like, where did we come from? And thanks to Revelation, I have some idea of the history of the future. The history of the future. I like the way you say that. In a way, when we travel to the Lord's day, we are time traveling. We are time travelers now. I'm sorry, I just thought that was a cool thought. It popped in my head. We are literally time travelers when we are looking at Revelation and what's coming in the future. That is cool. Uh, You know, God, to him, Revelation is history. God, being outside of time, he's already been at the victory. He's already been at the beginning. And something that overwhelmed me when I thought about it is that God is also in every moment. Yeah. So he's literally there right now. You know, just 
wonderful little thoughts. I'm going to go a little off track here for a moment, um, but I want to share something. There's a little side note. When Scott and I started the discussion about a podcast and the studies we would do, I was already in the very early stage of a Revelation study. Very early, like a paragraph. And he was doing a very in-depth study of Genesis. So I was not thinking about it at the time, but it came to me shortly before we started recording the first podcast that we were starting with the bookends of the Bible, our origins and our eternity. I find little things like this to be a reassurance that we are on the right track. The more I learn about God, the more I understand. He will answer prayers. He will put us in places we need to be. He will put others in places they need to be. And there really is no such thing as a coincidence. I used to think a little coincidence here or there that was just something normal. But after having some unique experiences of my own and learning to see God as he is, I no longer credit things like this as a coincidence. I like to refer to them as God winks. They can be big or little things, but I enjoy when I'm able to see the connections, the godly connections. I know I'm off subject here, but I feel the Spirit is encouraging me to share a particularly cool God wink. One day, about four years ago, I was at work, and I got one of those dreaded phone calls. My mom was being rushed to the emergency room. All I was told was it had something to do with her heart. My mom had other serious health issues, and I was immediately stressed that this would be it. This would be serious. I start driving to the ER but I have a long commute to get there. Along the way, I start to pray because I am starting to feel some anxiety. I ask God to help keep me steady and to keep the anxiety away so I can have a clear head when I get there. I want to be able to answer the doctor's questions and to be supportive to my mom during this time. During my prayer, another car is in the far right lane and I am in the middle lane. This other car decides they need to be in the far left turning lane, and with only inches to spare, they come into my lane and continue to the other lane. They will turn down a different street, and I will never see them again. I have to hit my brakes, and I'm in the midst of an emotional episode. I should be mad, and if I remember correctly, I think I was for just a hundredth of a second. But then I see the God wink. The license plate on the car says steady. S-T-E-A-D-Y, steady. I asked God to keep me steady, and right in front of me is a sign that literally says, be steady. About that same moment, I also become aware of the song that has been playing in my car. Shoulders by King and Country. I see that God wink. God was telling me to be steady, and he is lifting me up on his shoulders. Now, some people will hear a story like this and assume it is a coincidence. But I believe that if you open your heart to God, you will see moments like this are just another way that he is proving he is here with us. God with us. Oh, and when I got to the hospital, I was calm. I was able to be supportive to my mom. I had a Bible with me, and I read it to her. I also shared this story with her sometime afterwards, and that brought her comfort, too. 
So that's a cool little God wink that happened to me. But we can get back on track now. All right, so the next thing I notice in Revelation 1-2, he bear record of the word of God. In my Hebraic Roots version, this says, he bear record of the word of Elohim. Elohim is plural and means gods. Scott talked about this in a previous podcast as well. Um, but to me, this gives credit to the Godhead, the Trinity, more credit to three being a complete number, being a perfect number. The word of God or the word of Elohim in this context, um, it is referring to Jesus. All right, so let's keep moving on here. I'm going to go to the end of Revelation 1-2. He bear record to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all things that he saw. If you're following along, the word saw is Greek, horaho. It's Strong's Concordance 3708. And it means properly see, often with metaphorical meaning. To see with the mind. To perceive with inward spiritual perception. Now looking into these words a little more gives them deeper meaning. Not only is John physically seen with his eyes, but it is also going to his mind and spirit. I love this thought because it means when you see Jesus and all the things he does, he is getting into your mind and into your spirit. Yeah, it's like, yeah, all things that I saw. It's like at the same time he's saying all things that was revealed. And he's bearing witness to all things revealed to his spiritual understanding as well. I made a connection here. After being asked what the greatest commandment was in Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven, Jesus replied by saying, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. So when you see Jesus, you are letting him into your heart and soul, and mind. Now, I don't know if this connection here makes sense to anyone else but me, but I'm appreciating this meaning behind what I am reading. Just the word saw can be even deeper than just the print on the page. And so this is why I don't know how to properly express to you and to try to encourage you, study, study the word of Scripture. It's worth it. The more you get into it, the more that you'll see little connections, the more that will be revealed to you. I encourage you, study. I agree with Brad. Uh, the Bible says meditate on the word day and night. Just that repetition, that going over it, that, that not just reading it and moving on, but reading it and stopping and going, what did I just read? And, and just meditating on it, dwelling on it, things will pop out as you chase God and he honors that chase. He wants to know how serious you are. Uh, I, one pastor one time explained it. So we have covenant with God, so what we give him, he will give to us. And if you give to God with a little spoon, he's going to give back with a little spoon. But if you give to God with a shovel and heap on, then he's going to give back to you with his comparative shovel. The more you give to him, the more he's going to give back. The more you chase, the more he's going to reveal. 
definitely. I'm, I'm in total agreement with Brad on this. Meditate on the word day and night. Chase him. Go after this Bible study, your Bible study. Wherever you are in the word that God has you, go after it. Thank you, Scott. I love that image. I'm going to try to give God a shovel, and he's going to come back with a shovel that's comparable, but God's always going to have more and it's his shovel's always going to be more important and yeah. better. <laughs> um, all right, let's let's go ahead and get to Revelation one three. Blessed is he that readeth, and they that hear the words of this prophecy, and keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. For those following along, let's look at the word blessed. It's Strong's Concordance 3107. In the Greek, the word for blessed that is used here, because there are multiple words or multiple words for blessed, the one used here is makarios, which means supremely blessed, fortunate, well off. This makes me feel like this is a special blessing, the ultimate blessing. Revelation is the only book of the Bible where blessing is promised to all he, who either read it or hear it read. The way I see it, this makes the meaning of the book truly clear. Simply, God wants to bless us. And with any blessing that you receive, you should encourage others to be blessed too. So this book needs to be read, but it also very much so needs to be shared. It needs to be read and others need to hear it. I honestly, I'm going to be a little humble here. I honestly am feeling that hit me now, that that's what I'm doing. That wasn't the intention. I wanted to study Revelation because I had an interest in it. But now I'm also seeing that I'm doing exactly what I wrote. Yeah. <laughs> I'm practicing what I'm preaching. <laughs> Sorry. That uh, that kind of just that kind of just hit me. That was kind of uh, kind of got me a little emotional there. Um, but I have to admit, the first few times reading Revelation, I was lost. I have read Revelation all the way through multiple times, and I remember reading this that I was going to be blessed and I wanted to be blessed, but I was not going to be if I wasn't understanding what I was reading. And maybe that is you too. My hope is that the study will help, this study right here, will help inspire you to chase and study the word with prayer and find even more blessings than I can find. Maybe you will even bless me with some of those blessings you find by sharing them, commenting on them, letting me know what moved you, what touched you, what rewards did you see that I didn't. Absolutely. We both want to encourage you, be a part of the blessing. You read, you share, you give. It's, uh, it's, it's not just for us. Yeah, absolutely. So here's the thing, though. How, how are you going to be blessed if you don't understand the book? Well, here's what I think. To get the full blessing, we must really read it with understanding and relationship chasing. I mentioned it last time, but we must be intimate with God and the Messiah. God truly wants to be intimate with us, and he will share more 
and reveal more of himself, the stronger that relationship gets. But with any relationship, it takes work. As we will see, though, that work gets paid off. The rewards are awesome. In fact, I'm going to jump ahead a little. We will go into greater detail about this later when we actually get there. But right now, I want to share one of the rewards with you. To the church of Pergamos, those that overcome will be given a white stone with a new name on it. Like I said, we'll go deeper on that later, but right now I want you to think about this for a moment. Jesus has a new name for you that only he knows. A name associated with your character. How awesome is this? The Almighty has a nickname for you. I mean, I hope this is exciting you as much as it excites me. The Almighty not only knows you, but he has a special name for you, a pet nickname. This is an awesome level of intimacy. It really is. Yeah. Brad and I discussed this earlier, you know, talking about my name's Scott, his name's Brad, that's our name. It's intimate, it's us, but we share that name with many, many people throughout history. But this is the one and only name for you that no one else shares this name. This is God's special name for you and you alone. Hallelujah. What an awesome reward. I'll try to put that in perspective to you here. When I met my wife, she was introduced to me as Caitlin, her formal name. The more familiar we got, I started to call her Kate, less formal. As the relationship builds, I start to call her sweetheart and other little intimate nicknames. After she is my wife, I call her wifey. I've also adopted other little nicknames for her, like Kiwi and Kit Kat. I even have some names that are just between us, and they will remain just between us because she will kill me otherwise. Oh, it's okay. Go ahead. You can do it. <laughs> nope. I won't tell her. Nope. <laughs> the more intimate our relationship, the more comfortable it is for me to name her things related to her character or that have special meaning in our relationship together. So God has a nickname for you, but you got to work on that relationship. You got to get to a very intimate place so he can share it with you. Yeah, that and that touches on something else too. Uh, the, what you just mentioned there, with the, the nickname, the, the white stone with a new name, it's for those who overcome. It's not for it's not for those who aren't chasing and not caring. Yep, just I want you to be aware of that. When we get to there, we'll talk about how you can receive those rewards. Not yeah. everybody's going to receive them. Now, that's not saying that if you make it to heaven, it's not going to be glorious and wonderful. You're going to be in heaven. You know, it will right. be glorious and wonderful. But there will be some rewards reserved for those that were intimate with God while they were here. They were chasing God while they were here. While they had the free will, they were choosing God. And we'll get there. We'll, we'll, in future studies, we'll get to those points. Um, but just remember, the common theme will always be, I'm encouraging you to have a relationship with God. Chase with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul. I am a living testament that it is worth it. 
My life has drastically changed because of my relationship chasing with God. And there's also a level of excitement to each day. I wake up wondering what new thing will be revealed to me. What new thing will I discover? I wish this for everyone. And I wish it for you. But you got to chase. Got to study. Now, that's an awesome reward. But uh, we have to get the reward. We are going to have to go through some trials, some some things. As I've grown up in my life, I have discovered that life is not a playground. It is a battleground. Now, if you choose the right army to side with, you will have the God of angel armies on your side, and you will have victory. Choose to stand with the wrong army, and you will lose. It's a pretty simple truth, and it does break my heart that many will not be able to see that. Let me try to give you an idea of what I mean by battleground. Everything happening in the physical world also has a spiritual component. Ever feel like you're not able to catch a break? Debt over your head, can't keep a relationship, maybe you're having family difficulties or medical problems. Maybe No, never felt like that at all. What? I, no, has anyone ever felt like that? Is, I think Brad's the only one. Oh. <laughs> well, that just blows apart my whole next stuff here. Um... But have you ever been tempted? Have you ever been tempted and sinned even though you didn't want to? I shared in the introduction that this was me. This was a point I got to. Even after I was relationship chasing, I was still sinning. And I had a really deep emotional episode. Um, Listen to the introduction. I'm not going to bring it up again here. Um, for just for time's sake, but I was still sinning. I was still being tempted. And that's because it was a spiritual attack. Even the most successful people in life, the people that you think have it all, they are going to be attacked. The enemy is wanting to devour you, and he will use all the tools in his arsenal to do so. First Peter 5.8 explains it. Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. Because life is not a playground, it is a battlefield. There is an enemy wanting you to fall. So we need to stick close to the God of angel armies. He is powerful, and he is capable, and he is strong. He will win. And the good news is, is he's always with you. In Isaiah 43, 2, God says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk in the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame kindle on you. Notice that it says when, not if. Yes. We are going to have hard times. We are going to be attacked. We do have to fight on the battleground sometimes. But God is with you. If you are with him too, then nothing can overflow you. Nothing can burn you. The kindle will not fall on you. God shows us the future in Revelation. And to anyone that follows what is written here in the book of Revelation, anyone who follows the orders of God, anyone who puts their trust in the Messiah and does not rely on their own righteousness to save them, you have access to the final battle plan. You have a blessing here. 
you have an awesome weapon to put in your arsenal because you have victory if you choose the right side. This is why revelation can be a blessing to you because you win. Amen. And as I hope you will see as we continue on in this podcast study, the rewards of the victory are awesome. Okay, so that's blessed. Let's look at the next word of interest here, to me anyway, readeth or reads. If you turn to Strong's Concordance 314, the Greek word is anagnosiko. Boy, I got that wrong. <laughs> Don't know that I could have done any better. <laughs> but let's let's stop here for a moment. There's something in the in this word that I think is really cool. I hope you think so too. The definition is to know certainly, know again, read, personally know, properly, to know again through reading. It can also be understood to mean reading enables others to relive what was conveyed by the original author. Or can be understood to mean reading enables others to reappreciate what was conveyed, experienced by the original author. So here I am reading this to you. I am rereading Revelation to myself as we go along. So here is what I think is pretty cool and why I think Revelation is such an awesome adventure. When I read something that is really good and full of imagery and substance, I can get completely lost in it. I can literally relive it, as the Greek says, as if I was the main character. So as we go along, I am planning on reliving what John saw. I hope that I can present revelation to you, to you all, in a way that you too can relive the experiences that John has. And then together, like the Greek says, we can reappreciate what is happening. Maybe then we can read this to others and they too will be able to relive the experiences written in this book. And that's readeth. Now, let's move to the next word. Can I jump, stop for just a second there? Of course. That, that's really hitting me, the fact that, I mean, God's saying he, he gave us this book. He's the author of this book. But he doesn't want us to just, just look at the words in the sense of, you know, read and just, just examine the words. He wants us to experience. He wants us to, he wants us to relive it. it this it just, I, I, that's really catching me the way you explain that. Uh, he's wanting us. It, it's more, it's more intimate. It's more passionate. It's more vibrant. It's visceral. He wants us to actually experience and live what's going on. I don't mean just. I, I mean, I'm thinking of it. Yeah, he means in a day-to-day experience, I'm sure. But I'm thinking of it is in in the, uh, I suppose you call it virtual reality way. I'm thinking of it in the fantasy way. He wants me to just, to kind of going back to what you're talking about with Saw and comprehend spiritually. I'm just imagining the story, watching a movie and and just reliving it within your mind. I, I'm, I'm, it's just catching me, the excitement of all of it, the, the, when you, you hear a story and you just swept away by it. Uh, that's the way I'm picturing it. God wants you to experience it in that way. Absolutely. Now, I I had an experience years ago where 
I was listening to the Bible on, on audio and they had hired professional actors and they had sound effects and they had all of these kind of things. And I got to the Psalms and this had never occurred to me until I actually listened to the Bible being read to me in such a way. But there's emotion, there's excitement, there's passion. These actors were saying the Psalms that I had heard in churches and just in my own readings as just, and God did this, do, do, do. Yes. But they were giving me passion. And God, you will be my fortress, my protector. It was, it was eye-opening. It made me realize that the Bible is full of passion. So become these people. Have that experience. Do like Scott said. Relive it. Experience it. But anyway, for time's sake, let's, let's reel it back in for a moment. Let's get back on track here. Um, the next word in Revelation 1-3 I want to talk about is prophecy. Those following along, it's Strong's Concordance 4394. Now, the Greek here is prophetia. Probably got that wrong, too. I'm trying. And Scott's first Genesis study, which I strongly encourage you listen to, he explains prophecy with some great insight, including why people get stuck on the future-telling prophecy. I think it's important that we try not to get focused on future prophecy, no matter how cool it might be to know future things. And I don't want to sound like I'm a hypocrite or anything here. I do appreciate God showing us the future things. I'm amazed at the thought of the future things. I mentioned it earlier, time traveling. Awesome. But I think we also need to be focused on God's will in the moment. Strong's Concordance explains it here. It says, prophecy is not necessarily nor even primarily foretelling. It is the declaration of that which cannot be known by natural means. It emanates from God and is the foretelling of the will of God, whether with reference to the past, present, or future. Once again, strongly recommend you listen to Genesis Podcast Study 1. Scott mentions why people get caught up on the future things because it's cool, you know. But uh, yeah, I encourage you, listen to that. Um, when reading scripture, I think it's important that we let scripture define itself. And something I have learned over the years is to just keep reading. A lot of people will read some bit of truth and just cling to it. But there is so much more to be discovered if you just keep reading. Revelation is translated in Greek, but the book is distinctively Jewish. And there are hundreds of references or allusions to the Old Testament. In fact, Daniel is considered by some to be the revelation of the Old Testament. And there are many common images and symbols between these two books. It kind of goes hand in hand as a foundation to Revelation. So I highly encourage you to study that book as well. What I think is important is that we listen to what God is telling us about his will. Yes, we can thank him and love him for sharing future information. And I can't help but think about how awesome and overwhelming he is. God has it all figured out. It was all figured out before creation and time. I do thank him for sharing future things, but I also do not want to get so caught up in the future 
that I don't stop to listen to his will right now, right here. And I want to be honest with you, I do feel like this podcast is part of his will. Scott and I are being heartfelt and passionate and trying to share God's love with you and to give testimony to the things that we've experienced, to the love that we've had. So I hope that when you listen to these podcasts, you are seeing our testimony of God and you are seeing that God's will can empower people to get things done. And I hope that you will search out his will too so you can get things done for God. The goal for Scott and I at this point though is to continue to follow that will where it leads. Scott likes to remind me that there is a time to march and a time to camp. God could be telling us to march, but we are still camping, lost in the future things. The goal is to be in his will so we know what our orders are. And I pray that Scott and I and our listeners are all working on discovering more of his will. Amen. Something that a lot of people don't understand or something that a lot of religious experts pass over when sharing gospel truth is the fact that we are now in the time of the prophecy of the last days. In Hebrews 1, 1 through 2, I use the Passion Translation here, we see the truth of this. Throughout our history, God has spoken to our ancestors by his prophets in many different ways. The revelation he gave them was only a fragment at a time, building one truth upon another. But to us living in these last days, God now speaks to us openly in the language of a son, the appointed heir of everything. For through him, God created the panorama of all things and all time. Right now, we are in the last days commonly known as the Age of Grace or the Church Age. Many agree that the Age of Grace started at Pentecost. As we continue to read more about the prophecy, I hope you will be able to see the connections to what is happening in our, in our modern time. I also hope that compels anyone who is not right with God to feel the fear of the Lord and his coming judgment. Now, some might say that's a harsh statement because we often think of fear in a negative way. Feeling fear is not a good sensation, so we, we don't want to do it. But I think fear is actually a great help to us, a great motivator. If I'm standing on a train track and a train is barreling down on me at 100 miles per hour, then the fear of being slammed into and obliterated is going to motivate me. It will motivate my feet to move and to get off those tracks. If I'm standing on the tracks and I am not aware of the incoming train, but say Scott is, his fear of seeing me destroyed would motivate him to shout or to rush and try to push me off the tracks. At least I hope so, Scott. His fear... We'll see. <laughs> he probably put me on the tracks. <laughs> his fear would motivate his feet to move. At least I hope so. The fear in this case is actually out of love. Okay, I hope I'm making a good comparison here. Many people, including many Christians, are standing on a spiritual train track, and judgment is barreling down on them at a high rate of speed. 
those who know the truth of the gospel need to yell and shout and push them off those tracks, whatever it takes to make them move, because we love them. We should be terrified at the thought of anyone being cast into the pit of fire on judgment. So what I'm trying to say here is I think fear is an awesome motivator. It will make our feet move. Even if it's uncomfortable, it will make our feet move. That uh, You've shared that with me before, and I really appreciate that, that visual. Fear makes our feet move. I mean, the Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And that made me think of that, uh, the fact that if you don't fear God, the way you said it, you're not going to move. You're not going to move off your spot of, of oncoming death. You're not going to move to help others. You're, you're, you're not going to move. Your feet are not going to move without that fear. Yeah, you're not wrong. Like I said, it can be uncomfortable sometimes. I mean, I'll be honest with you right now. I'm uncomfortable doing these podcasts. Yes, I'm also excited at the thought of doing God's will, of, of maybe touching somebody, inspiring somebody, getting somebody to chase. Oh, yes, that is exciting. But there's also some fear here. I'm going to put my heart out into the world for anybody to hear. That is a fearful thing. So yes, fear is sometimes uncomfortable, but it will make your feet move. And sometimes we need to get these feet moving. All right, I'm going to move on. I want to. The last thing we'll talk about today in this podcast is uh, the end of Revelation one three. For the time is at hand. For the time is at hand. I also really love the Passion translation here, which says, "Or the appointed time is in your hands." The Greek verb here is. Actual. I probably got that wrong too. I'm sorry. Which means squeeze in your hands or to hold the reins. So this gives me the sense that all of Revelation is ready to be unveiled to us when we are ready to receive it because it is in our hands. I like that. Um, I, I've heard it said before that the time is at hand, uh, which means... It's within, it's so close, you can reach out. If something is at hand, all you have to do is extend your arm, yes. and it's, it's that close. And and this, it was mentioned in the sense that uh, all of Revelation is not just the last few days on earth, but there's more to it, and the timing of Revelation was going on 2,000 years ago. Some of what is going on in Revelation has been going on for the last 2,000 years since John had this revelation, but I like what you just said right there. Say that again. The, the squeezing, the... The Greek verb used here means to squeeze in your hands or to hold the reins. I, I like that imagery, but you said something else and, and I lost it while I was talking. It was like, when, when it's here, hanging on to it. So I guess the question then is, are we ready for the full unveiling? This gives me the sense that all of Revelation is ready to be unveiled to us when we are ready to receive it 
because it is in our hands. That right there. I love, yes, when we're ready to receive it. And and that's not, it's the, I my mind's getting blown right now. The Holy Spirit will reveal it to you when you're ready, not when you're when you're refusing him when you're running for him he won't force himself upon you the revelation of Jesus Christ the revealing of who he is will be right there in your hands when you're ready for it uh i've heard it uh there's a uh petra song uh says you say you've walked 10,000 steps away but don't you know that it's only one step back yes uh, as far as you're running, as far as you're walking away from God, God is right there when you're ready. If you turn around, you're going to find no matter how much you ran, he's right there. All you got to do is turn around and he's right there in your hands. I love that picture. Thank you for that, Brad. And this is why I love doing this as a, that we do this separate because then we can come together and do the conversation on stuff that that blows each other's minds but right now i wrote that but you're blowing my mind by bringing even more into it than what i thought of this is this is this is awesome uh i i pray i truly truly pray that everybody has a scott <laughs> or in his case has a brad it, it doesn't Amen. have to be a scott it doesn't have to be a brad they can have different names um but I pray that everyone has someone to share the excitement and to look at things in a different way with. And because it truly is, well, I, I mentioned a it. A blessing. Yeah, it is a blessing. I mean, I mentioned it. I, I prayed for this. I, I needed somebody in my life um, that I could bounce ideas off of that, I, that was also chasing a relationship. Now, that being said, chase your own relationship separate from that other person. Because God wants to be intimate with you. He wants to be intimate with Scott. He wants to be intimate with me. And he wants us to all be together too. But he also wants to have his intimate time with you. All right. So here, I think I think we will we'll stop there for this study. I will tell you that next time when we continue our reading, we get lost in the start of John's letters to the seven churches. Also coming up at some point soon, we are going to see Jesus in his glory as the Almighty. I cannot wait to break down his appearance with you, but I will be patient. We will go in order. We will do it at the right time. (laughs) Um, I hope this study has left you some things to contemplate um, until the next Revelation study. I really do appreciate you for listening, and I hope you will also feel free to comment or share this study with others. You, Scott, and I are being blessed by this study, and I really hope we can share the blessing and love with others. Until next time, may Yahweh keep you. May you see his desire and will for your life. I pray we walk the path that leads us closer to him. This has been Brad. And this has been Scott. And this has been not about us.